Rodney Jane here with May Deals So Good You'll Be Glad You Came to Bob Jane T-Marks. Buy three selected Bridgestone, Yokohama, Dunlop or Goodyear tyres and get one free tyre. Plus up to $150 instant cash back on brands like Bridgestone, Michelin, Pirelli, Continental and more. That's not all. Get a massive 20% off on selected Kumo tyres. We won't be beaten with our best tyre price guarantee. Give us a call or shop online today. We'll look after you. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as all Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hey, it's the Parked Up Podcast. We are powered by Race Fuels here. My name is Grant Rowley, and we've got an all-Tassie edition of the Parked Up Podcast. It's not all-Tassie. There's, uh, there's a couple of little extra chats at the back end of this, which aren't really Tassie, but the main bit of it is all-Tassie. Tassie Devils, Tassie Tigers, how whatever they're going to call this new AFL team, it's all about the Apple Isle. I got two very, very cool retro-style guests to come on board. Uh, I shouldn't say retro guests. They're, uh, they're young at heart. John Bow and Greg Crick, two of the best motor racing exports to have uh, crossed over the Tasman Sea and come and take on the best of Australian motorsport over the years, they've done uh, so very well in, in so many areas, and I'm very grateful to have uh, stolen a little bit of time from them, uh, reminisce on some old things, but also talk about a lot of current things as well, because both of them still have their hand in a bunch of racing stuff that uh, you and me and uh, all of our listeners really, really love. So, John Bow and Greg Crick coming up. And then uh, after that, a ch- couple of chats that Mark Fogarty from Parked Up Plus. Of course, that's every Monday afternoon with your latest motorsport news on this exact podcast channel that you're listening to. Uh, he had um, some chats with uh, Barry Rogers from Gary Rogers Motorsport and also Tony Quinn, the proprietor of many, many racetracks around the country, including... Uh, not our country, around uh, Australasia. He's got Queensland Raceway here, but uh, he's also got a few circuits over in New Zealand. He still does a bit of racing, but the circuits that I'm talking about, the circuit that I'm talking about most notably in New Zealand is Taupo, or as we've uh, recently come to know that we've been pronouncing it wrong all this time, it's Topor. So uh, Fogg spoke to Tony Quinn down at Phillip Island, about the the Topor circuit and about uh, the chances of seeing supercars race there in 2024 and beyond. Uh, okay, but anyway, look, we're going to go race some supercars, Repco Supercars Championship down at Simmons Plains Raceway, which is round four of the championship. Um, and I really wanted to have a bit of a Tassie flavour for this, no doubt. John Bow, first draw card. And I asked JB who he'd like to see join us on the pod, and his first reaction was Greg Crick. So here it is, JB and Greg Crick on Parked Up. Hey, it's great to have two Tasmanian legends on the Parked Up podcast. I've got John Bow and Greg Crick. Now, JB, I'll start with yourself. I, I spoke to you, and I've used you from time to time to come on the Parked Up podcast, and I asked you, um, which Tasmanian hero would you like to have join us? And uh, Greg Crick was the first name that fell out of your face. Why is that? 
Well, uh, first of all, I'm friends with him. I'd like to think we're friends. Um, we started racing about the same time. He had a, a early model Holden. I had a Formula V. We've stumbled across each other many, many years. We have a, a, a similar strange Tasmanian sense of humour. Uh, yeah, and he's a good bloke. So, you know, for my, I, I, you know, in terms of motor racing, I think, you know, he he, he was talented enough to be a, a pro driver, but he was focused on business, which I admire and probably envy. So, yeah, I, I you know, I think he's a terrific fellow and a great motor racing ambassador. So, there, that, that's why the choice. There you go, Greg. A nice endorsement that's from... So nice. That is so nice. I'm actually <laughs> I, know. I wish we could push little things where the little hearts fly out into this, you know. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, Greg, thanks for coming on to uh, to the Parked Up podcast. You uh, you remain pretty busy in uh, in in uh, your racing world. You don't. Uh, we don't get to see you behind the wheel. Uh, as much as we'd probably all like to, but um, you you still uh, play your part working with with GRM. You also do some stuff with Toyota eighty six as well, I think, for memory. So you're you're, you're at more racetracks than JB these days. Yeah, I, I stopped doing the Toyotas a couple of years ago. I did the driving standards there for about four years, which I thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot from it. And doing driving standards and um, yeah, it's. Uh, I I just absolutely love the sport. I'm invested in the sport, and I will be for the rest of my life because it's uh, it's you know one of my greatest interests, and I just love the sport and all facets of it. I don't I'm not into the um, the factions of the sport. You know, I disagree with a lot of things that are going on in the sport, but I love supercars. I love the other categories. I love open wheelers. I love the ARG categories. Um, and I love Speedway, so rallying, anything to do with motorsport is me. Very good. Very good. Uh, the uh, more Greg Cricks we can have in this world, uh, the better. And uh, I guess Tasmania is on everyone's mind. We've got the supercars down there this weekend. Uh, for the, what are we up to? About round four of this um, new generation of cars. Um, now, boys, you would uh, both know and can probably both talk to this. When... Supercars or touring cars, as it was back in the day, came down to Tasmania. Um, yeah, what's the uh, what's the vibe like? Does it does it change? I know just from my media world, there's uh, always lots of interest, always uh, journo's calling and and TV broadcasters calling, looking for a piece of the action. Um, they they it seems like they do really embrace the uh, you know big motor racing down there. I mean, I'd live in Melbourne now and have done for like 20 years, but always from when I was a kid, the the, the touring cars coming to Tassie, and I think it's probably oh. one of the longest running touring car rounds in the country, probably the longest, I'd, I'd imagine. It's, it's, it doesn't have any breaks in it. It was always incredibly well supported by the Tasmanian people because they, they actually love it. I mean, I think there's... Uh, there's very is there five hundred thousand people in Tassie Cricky? Yeah, we've busted that. We're just over. Yeah. Okay, so five hundred thousand people in Melbourne. There's there's uh, five million people, and Simmons Plains Round gets more people than Sandown Round gets. So you know, it's it's a reflection on Tasmanians 
love of the sport. And it's Simmons Plains is one of the simplest racetracks you ever go to, but it's one of the most difficult ones to get a get a lap time out of. So, mm. you know, it's it's as is Tasmania. It's a bit unique and it's good. Everyone loves it. Yeah, and Greg, I guess uh, for the size of the state, as you guys were just uh, discussing, you've got an incredible knack of developing some pretty good motor racing talent, but even more than that, sporting talent in general. Yeah, we're a bit like the Kiwis. We, um, we're <laughs> yeah. underdogs, so we love to punch above our weight, I think. And there's been some very good drivers produced out of this state and also some very good cricketers and footballers, as most people would know. It's... Um, it's always been a sporting state. We love our sports, all sorts of sports. And uh, I think part of that comes from our, um, I suppose, being bits of underdogs. And we, when we go to Australia, to the Big Island, we the mainland, <laughs> we go over the, the mainland, I guess. What, what's your thoughts on the, on the footy, the football, the AFL team now down there, going to be established? Uh, I have a lot of trouble understanding that because like football is a very established sport here and everyone has their own team. Um, everyone, the, the Collingwood, Richmond, Hawthorne um, support here is St Kilda. You know, those everyone has got their own team already. I suppose people will support the Tasmanian team, but it'll be their second team. People aren't just going to change teams because we've got a team here. Um, I think well, it should have been done 15 years ago. That's what I... Well, anyone. maybe, but I, I just disagree totally with this stadium. Like, why do we need a $750 million stadium? We've got we've got Launceston, which is already one of the best surfaces in the country. The players love playing on it. Um, it, it holds 18,000 people. They're building a stadium that holds 23. They, they filled the 18,000 seat one about twice, I think. Yeah. That yeah. I just remember in the last few rounds since Hawthorne have sort of dropped off their game a little and are not winning. All the um, Johnny come lately Hawthorne supporters have disappeared, and I reckon they'd have been lucky to have four or five thousand people at the last couple of games there. Okay, yeah, that's interesting because I mean you're on the on the ground, so to speak. So yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, you know here as a local news thing, it's been talked up massively, you know, and and the money involved is just. Gee, what what sort of race circuit could you build if you spent seven hundred and fifty million? Well, a pretty good one, but we don't <laughs> need. We've got we've got a couple of good ones that need a bit more money spent on them as it is, and um, they're well supported and a lot of events throughout the year and bring yeah. a lot of people to the state. Um, I think that's the important thing: how many people these events actually bring to the state. The football brings some people. There's no doubt about that. You know the. The true supporters follow their teams and they'll come to Tasmania to watch the football and have a bit of a holiday. Um, yep. But I know in those ARG events here the last couple of years that people have come down and stayed for two weeks and toured the state. People that were coming down here to either compete or to spectate and they've stayed here. We get a lot of people come here and drive our roads, as you know, and yeah. in groups, you know, car clubs and that sort of thing that will drive our roads and go on all the iconic target, target stages. So motorsport's been a big big contributor to our um, economy with tourism as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I agree with you. You um, not you that, mentioned you mentioned that, that I always that... agree with you. <laughs> very, very good. That's that's what we need for the uh, for this uh, debate here. Um, Greg, you mentioned uh, talked about money and and government money, and you've got two pretty good racetracks down there. One that the 
majority of motorsport fans will know Simmons Plains Raceway, and we're going to see that all over the TV this weekend, which is not far from Launceston. But there's a a pretty cool track down near Hobart, uh, Baskerville, or Baskerville. It's Baskerville, isn't it? Baskerville in Tasmania. You could call it Baskerville if you like. But no, let's call it. Well, let's call it what the locals call it. Use the There's local no term. There's no R in it. Probably is Baskerville if we <laughs> use the, the correct pronunciation. But we have our own Tasmanian pronunciation. <laughs> Tasmanian lingo. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Baskerville then, uh, which is not too far from Hobart. I think it's only like a 35, 40 minute drive or something. Set in a beautiful natural amphitheater it's got yeah. uh it's like a cross between oran park and bathurst with the size of that hill that um the cars have to have to run up um my my point in question is that you've got two great racetracks there uh, and i'm sure they get used quite a bit but um you mentioned the the more infrastructure more money could be spent what you know what do that what do they need to take them to the next level. Simmons, you know, in the past 15 years had new pit facilities made, but really we haven't seen much else other than little bits of tidying up areas. So uh, what do those two venues need to bring them into the um, the latest century? Uh, look, uh, Simmons Plains gets money uh, as a result of the, you know, the government funding, giving some funding because supercars come here. So, we got the pits uh, and there's been safety upgrades. There's more safety upgrades again this year with changing tyre walls. There's been concrete walls around the circuit. So there is just enough money that comes in to keep Simmons Plains up to date and, and keep its circuit grading. Unfortunately, Baskerville has no money and gets no government money. Um, it's one of the most beautiful natural racetracks in Australia. And as you said, it's Oran Park, Bathurst, Lakeside, all in one it's undulating it's just a brilliant circuit it's a brilliant circuit to learn on it's a brilliant circuit to race on it's a brilliant uh, spectator circuit because you can sit up that hill and see everything so that that's uh, you, quite a few you, dollars spent on it. First race there? which year Me? yeah well it was when i was 17 so it was yeah, uh, yeah. about 1970 71 yeah it was yeah. my first race there, and I've loved the place ever since. I just absolutely love going there. I love racing there, or I loved racing there. I've been there quite a bit with my grandson the last few years. So, you know, yep. it's, it's just a, one of the best circuits you could ever learn to drive on. As you know, it teaches you a bit of everything, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a fantastic. It's the best kept secret in Australian motorsport, really. Anyone that ever goes there. And they have a historic meeting every year, don't they? In yeah, October, October, November. Yeah, and uh, some of the guys I know from historic racing, they they always, you know, they can't believe what a great track it is. It's it sort of reminds me. You raced at Amaru, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of reminds me a bit of Amaru. Amaru was a terrific. It was yeah track too. Yeah. Uh, Level of tracks like that, aren't they? They're a great level. It's not who has the greatest horsepower. No, you know, no. You've got to have a little bit of horsepower, but you've got to have a car that handles and someone that can drive it. Yep, absolutely. And it's, uh, I mean, I've been to Amaru since it was turned into housing, and it's such a loss, you know. I mean, more of a loss than Oran Park, in my view. So, yeah, we need to keep, protect uh, as best we can that Baskerville stays because it's, the, the urban sprawl is getting closer to it. So yeah. 
Uh, yep. Look, I don't think that'll ever happen there. Uh, I don't think the urban sprawl is going to uh, cause a problem with Baskerville. Um, uh, no, I don't think that'll be the issue. The issue will be having enough funding for Baskerville to maintain its circuit license or its grade. So you can't run a... I don't believe you can run a S5000 or a Trans Am race here um, or a TCR race. Maybe you can run Trans Am. I don't know. They've got these circuit gradings. And I, I know Simmons Plains is probably a grade three. Um, but Motorsport Australia and FIA have these circuit gradings and, and it certainly doesn't come up to the safety features that you need with runoff areas and the amount yeah, of runoff nice. and that sort of thing. But it, yeah. it, it would be a massive job to fix it, though. You'd just, you know, the top of the hill and the end of the straight, you know, it, it wouldn't be $100 million. Oh, be easy to fix. They've actually acquired land at the top of the hill so they can put a runoff area there at the top of that that blind hill, which is just one of the trickiest things you've ever seen. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. absolutely. Um, I could it actually made, it made you focus, didn't it? Like, you, there's no way you wanted to go off there because you hit the fence. Yeah, well, you hit the wall. That was a it we was hit the wall. Yeah. wall. Um, I remember, yeah. actually remember clearly, Alan Moffat coming down there in the clone Capri yeah. and was completely freaked out by that corner at the top of the hill, which was Wasn't blind. Really? I was mm. there, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mix with the royalty like you did, like yourself. Oh, mate, I was about twenty hanging around because I knew Ray Cucci who was preparing his car, and that uh, Cologne Capri was just the most magnificent thing I'd ever seen <laughs> compared yeah, to sports sedans that we used to build in our sheds. So <laughs> I saw that it lives in New Zealand now. Mm-hmm. That same car, and uh, when I went to Pukekohe last year, it was there. It's the most beautiful thing. I've always loved that car. Yeah, so, so with uh, so with uh, some good level of funding, it's just that that safety element, uh, and maybe moving the pits from inside the venue. I guess uh, that's one of the charms of uh, that track, where the it's a pretty tight little area where all those uh, cars uh, and teams and crews uh, fit into. But I guess just to move into the um, uh, modern world, the uh, pits may may have to be moved, should be moved to the outside of the venue. Are they the two main things, safety and uh, the, remo- the relocation of pit area? Yeah, relocation of the pit area. It's impossible to get a truck or a semi in there properly, you know, let alone multiple semis. So that really restricts what you could can do there. But there's there's ample area on the outside of the circuit to make a decent pit area. Yeah, you know, several places down the back straight or even at the bottom of the hill out to the right. You know, there's plenty of things that could be done there to, to make a, a decent pit area. Yep. Yeah, no, it is uh, it, it is one of the, uh, as JB, you might have said, the uh, a hidden treasure in Australian motorsport, and we'd love to see more racing mm-hmm. there, two-kilometre circuit, and it's just got a little bit of everything uh, and most of all, best for for spectators as well, because it just sits uh, in this big valley, and you can sit on top of a hill and just about see um, everything that's going. No need for big screens down there to keep the fans uh, informed, because you can you can see everything. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, so Greg, you've got um, you're still involved, heavily involved in the sport, and we see you uh, wearing uh, different coloured GRM t-shirts uh, from. From time to time, um, uh, yeah, you were you were looking after James Golding on the weekend down 
at Phillip Island with his S5000 uh, campaign in the past couple of years. You'd been in Jordan Cox's corner for some some TCR racing. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's uh, still plenty pl- still plenty for you to yeah. contribute. Yeah, look, I love it. I, I started off just going to the races with Gary and Barry to have a bit of fun. And then they had a, a crash in Adelaide one day um, when uh, I think Will Brown ran into the back of Moffat's Renault and piled it into the into the um, rear axle sort of thing. And they looked at it and were going to throw it away. And a bit of the old speedway come out. And then I said, I think we can fix that. <laughs> Got a couple of jacks out of the trucks because we never had any quarter powers. And Gypsy and I pushed it out and someone went to Bunnings and bought some perspex and we made a back hatch, back window, and we got it back out in the track. And after that, I started working, going to the races and doing a bit. You know, I started started with uh, Jordan when he was in the Alpha. And um, then I'd beg Benny Barguana for his first year and then back on with Jordan again for last year. Um, which was was very enjoyable, and I think we had a shot at winning the championship, but it all went wrong at Bathurst um, for various reasons. But uh, you know, it was enjoyable, and it's enjoyable to see like Benny Barguana's coming ahead in leaps and bounds. I think with his driving, watching him at the weekend, he's really really maturing, going well. Um, yes. Cox, he's always got the speed, but uh, um, a few things go wrong. But you know, he's. Uh, He's a very, very good driver and very fast driver. And then uh, I decided I wasn't going to do any more this year. And then I got a phone call from Barry saying, oh, would you just come and get on the headphones for Jimmy for Simmons Plains? But that's turned into Sandown. But I don't have to do much with him because he's he's too good. He knows exactly what he wants in the car. Um, and he just drives it so well. And uh, it's it's quite a pleasure to do it apart from our radios never work so i don't have to do anything <laughs> i just want around you know no it's seriously though he is turned into a seriously good driver it's um it's really good to see how he works and how how definite he is about what he wants in the car and what he how he expects the car to be and he's very very um very sure of himself these days and it's great to see yeah, S five thousand still uh, can ha- can have its place, but uh, I guess there's been uh, it's been in the news just of late with um, with Joey Mawson, who we've seen, who absolutely knows how to be a race car driver. He's done it overseas. He's he's done it here in in S five thousand, and I can let you blokes um, debate over this, but uh, th- there's still no guarantee that he could be whipped up by a supercars team to jump into uh, the endurance races because of the rules that that uh, mean that uh, an automatic uh, license for supercars entry means you need to have um, uh, six Super 2 or Super 3 races under your belt, yeah. which, uh, which seems like a and bit of a there'll be no, uh, Grant, there'll be no debate. We both agree on the same thing, that, that it's uh, ridiculous that a bloke like Joey Mawson, who's... Excuse me. One of the most credentialed racing drivers in the country is not allowed to race at Sandown and Bathurst because he doesn't have a super license, which they only invented a few years ago. I mean, when if if uh, back in my time, I wouldn't have been able to uh, to race a supercar because I wouldn't have done all those super two races. So you know, uh, can I is... just clarify something there, JB? 
Yeah, um, mate. Motorsport Australia, I believe, uh, and this is the information that I have, will issue um, Joey with a super licence. He, he has the credentials to get a super licence. It's not Motorsport Australia. No, no, no. no Supercars have their own rule that they have the final say on who can have a super licence to race in their category. Um, yep. It's quite confusing because I was always under the understanding that Motorsport Australia were the governing body, the ruling body, and handed out the licences. I didn't know supercars were actually running the sport in the country. It's uh, it's a, it's quite strange. Well, it's just it, it's it's actually wrong, and it needs to be sorted out, doesn't it? Because it's I see it as protection for their own little patch, which is fair enough. I mean. All the teams in supercars of the teams that run uh, Super Two teams or Super Three teams, they they want to make sure that they've got a an income stream. So they they you know they want people to, to come along with their sponsors and with their parents' money and race Super Two for six rounds at at a cost of six or seven hundred thousand dollars a year, and then they give them a. a, a permission or super license or whatever to, to go and race in the main game. So I, I'm only using Joey Mawson as an example because I've, I know him, I've seen him race as you have, and he's the real deal. Like he deserves yeah. to be there. I saw, him at Bathurst, I saw him at Bathurst jump in an Audi in last place and handed back in second. Yeah, yeah, mate. I, I see him all the, the time. 12, you know, he is the real deal. Absolutely. And and what the reason I was given that they wouldn't give him a license is that he doesn't know our procedures and he's not done, you know, he hasn't been through the pit stops. But guys doing super two get one chance to do pit stops a year, and that's in a race at Bathurst. And most of the time they drive around beyond a safety car. Yes. Like at Newcastle they did fourteen laps, fourteen racing laps, and those kids are paying eighty to a hundred grand around to get fourteen racing laps. Yeah, I know. It's, it's ludicrous. I mean, in I keep going back to my day, but I mean, we didn't used to do pit stops. No. So when they introduced pit stops, you learned as you went, you know. So what's the difference? Do you think, Joe, um, you think uh, that Joey Mawson wouldn't be capable of learning, you know, how to do a pit stop? <laughs> if you can't already do it, it's just, it's obscene. It's just, it is obscene. So who's, who it needs to be asked who makes this decision like who is it the board or is it the commission is it uh the chairman or who who makes this decision i mean the board now is comprised of you know uh, people that have invested in the in the category which is owned by a, a um i guess a consortium the consortium, consortium isn't it yeah 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 so so who makes? I'm sure the, the people that in you know investors in the category don't don't know about Joey Mawson. So who makes this call that says Joey Mawson can't race? I know for uh, for a fact that uh, Premier Racing, where Jimmy Golding races, uh, prepared to give Joey a, a drive in the long distance races, but unless they Supercars let him race, he can't. So you're actually holding the guy's career back, aren't you? Well, it's it's really it's it's a restriction of trade. But then I suppose the other way of looking at it, um, 
you may have a semi-trailer license and I've got a trucking business, that doesn't mean I have to give you a drive, employ you as a driver in my business. But this is slightly different in that they want to employ him um, and they've been told by the the owner of the category that they can't, whereas the um, governing body in the country or the supposed governing body, Motorsport Australia, issuing him a licence should be enough for him to go and race supercars, surely. Absolutely, yeah. So what, what, what my question was, was who, who makes this call, though? Is it, no, no. Is it the supercar board? Is it, mm. uh, uh, you know, like, I think Barry Rogers is on the board, isn't he? Uh, he's resigned, I think. Is he? Okay, yeah. Well, my one of my friends was on the board and he's resigned as well. So is it the board? There's a, there's a Supercars Commission, which um, Michael Massey is the chairman of. Uh, Neil Crompton was the chairman. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I'd like to know who, because the, the owners of the teams are no longer owners of the category. You know, they used to have a share of the mm. category they sold and now they're not so they should well i can tell you when joey mawson tested for premier earlier in the year um a team owner walked up to him and told him don't think you're ever going to drive one of these unless you do six super two events yes i heard and, the same story and, and all the all the young people like you know you look at s5000 i did an article on this the other week yeah, I no, it's one of the best grooming categories that you could ever have to drive anything. And I, I, I agree. believe that, that James Golding's driving improved after in supercars after he drove S5000. Well, um, I, I, I haven't been at the coalface like you have, but I, I certainly agree. I mean, I watch it pretty carefully. And, um, uh, yeah, I agree. James Golding has become a very complete driver after driving single-seaters. And, and, and it's always been the case, mate. It's always mm. been the case. Single seaters always. Even back in Glenn Seaton's day, Mark Scaife's day, uh, Freddie Gibson obviously looked after those guys very well and he had them both drive open wheelers to further their skill level. That's right. They all did. Larco, everyone drove Formula Holden or Formula Brabham as you drove the Formula cars. And when you came from Formula cars into, into the touring cars, I believe you saw in particular, were probably the person that started to engineer the cars properly and, and improve the cars so that they handled properly rather than just driving around problems. So you brought new technology to the touring car game when you came into it as a result of your open-wheeler racing. Yeah, well, I think that's probably true. But, I mean, uh, the for years and years, it was the same, although there were no rules to stop me driving touring cars, but I was not ever invited into touring cars because the touring car people of the time and I'm talking about the you know the late 70s mm. early 80s they they didn't think that open wheeler drivers could drive touring cars that was a mm. fact mm. well so, I still think the same thing yeah but it's it's absolute bullshit isn't it I mean mm. this this but, I don't know how we do it but this Joey Mawson case is, is is a test case. It shouldn't shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. It's ridiculous. It's not like you have got somebody that has done three races in a Formula Ford or something, and he's trying to race in a in a the the category that's the best. You know, the the only true professional category in the country. Mm. This guy's raced overseas. He 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 uh, 
he beat Mick Schumacher, who became a Formula One driver in in the German Formula Four Championship. So mm-hmm. it's not like he can't drive. And you see him in. I, I watched at the weekend in S five thousand at Phillip Island, and you know, like he's a fantastic driver. And and I'm sure it'll take a little while for him to get used to supercars, but so does it everybody. But what what are they doing? Cutting off the opportunity for young people who can't go and do the six and seven hundred thousand dollar super two programs. And there's a young guy there at the weekend you would have noticed him, Cooper Webster. Yes, who, who has come uh, out of Hyundai's into S five yes. yes, and he is just magic to watch. And and, and he's I've, twenty years I've, old. He's twenty years old. He went to England after driving uh, the. S five thousands and drove in GB four over there the other weekend and qualified third, and I had a brief chat with him at the weekend and he said, "Oh, it was so easy to drive those little cars because he had been schooled in the S five thousand. Yes, He'd been driving yes. that. So you go back a step and all of a sudden, you drive something else and it becomes much easier. And I yeah. mean, Nathan Hearn was another case in point as Joey Mawson. He'd won two Trans Am championships, but it was in TA two, which Motorsport Australia didn't want to recognise, don't recognise because it's a, another governing body in the country. Mm. Um, and, you know, we all knew um, Nathan Hearn's ability, I believe. And, and he he drove so well in Trans Am, um, but he was pretty untidy. Drove S5000 and was tidied up like you wouldn't believe in his driving and, and drove the Trans Ams even better after he drove S5000. We've lost him. He's in America. He's being paid, and hopefully he'll carve out a career over there. He could have been in supercars here and been a real star. Absolutely. So for, for to get to the core of it all, we need to – somebody needs to, for the good of the sport, stop this sort of crap happening. For the good yeah. of the sport, not for the self-interest yeah. of the, the uh, you know, the supercar team owners who want to keep this income stream happening. You know, really, it, it's it is a, probably the most ill-conceived travesty of justice I've seen in motorsport in the last 30, 40 years. It's just no good. It's terrible. And I don't know who, someone has to be responsible. Somebody within supercars has to has to uh, be the one that says, no, he can't drive. Somebody has to do it. There's got to be a person or a committee or somebody. Let's let's try and get some clarity on all this, why it's happening. I guess once they yeah. open, the, if they, are, they could open the floodgates and if, if they did allow Joey to come in, then I guess they open the floodgates and uh, ruin the rule that they have, uh, created here for this, um, which is obviously designed to drive people through their uh, through their development classes. Um, and look to to uh, to be very fair, Super Two is is probably at its strongest that we've seen in in quite a number of years as well. A, a lot of uh, good, genuine talent racing in there, as you guys have said, and as is quite well known, it's damn expensive to do it, and not everyone has that ability but um you know what we want to see for our biggest races of the year which are those two endurance races particularly the great race at mount panorama uh, we want to see the best drivers compete we want to see those uh those cool stories that we've seen in the past of your craig lounges 
effectively popping out of Formula Ford with a little bit of Formula Holden, I think he might have done, or Formula Brabham, yeah. whatever it was yeah. back in the day, yeah. uh, and launching from from no one to 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 being a household name within it within a couple of years. So when you when you look at it, and I'm don't think that I'm supercar bashing because I love it. Like, I'm not I, either. I'm not either, mate. I watch Perth, and I think the Kostecki and and Giz race was as good as I've seen for a long time. Probably, yep. you know, that was great. And it was almost as good as the, as the Trans Am race with Nash Morris and Moffat the other day. So, you know, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, supercars no, super are starting to get better. That's what I'm yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm I, I, but um, the issue really is the, the pathway for young people without having to go through that ridiculously expensive Super 2 um, and we've done some sums on this. I worked it out. Like the guys that came to Tasmania did S5000 did 76 laps, I think it was, 72 or 76 laps without a safety car. So they had a lot of laps and, and it cost them in the hundreds of dollars per lap. And the same guys, the same age group type people went to Newcastle and did Super 2, did 14 racing laps and it cost them over $5,000 a lap. So how is that good value for money? How is it good training? How is it good for their driving to go there and do laps just behind a safety car? It's simply not. And I'm not supercar bashing. You just want the best pathway for the young people to come through and have a shot. Everyone's got a dream of, of getting to the big time, of doing Bathurst, of racing in those iconic races, the Bathurst 1000, the Sandown 500, and you're taking people's dreams away. Yes, yeah, no, I, I, I truly, honestly think that uh, Joey Mawson is a is a is a test case, and it needs to be sorted out. Somebody needs to clarify uh, what the hell is going on. Who 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 makes the decision? Somebody does, obviously. He, he would be almost. I reckon he'd almost be eligible for a gold rating by the FIA. Now, you, you tell me if um, Valentino Rossi decided he wanted to race supercars next week, do you think they'd give him a super licence? Yes. Of course they would. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. If, Although, uh, if, look. If, if Valentino Rossi wanted to do the Bathurst 1000. That's what I mean. Uh, mm. uh, you know, like I'm sure they wouldn't make him do six, six rounds of uh, Super 2, would they? No, not at all. It does make me think, though, of the uh, season that Casey Stoner did in uh, Super Two, as he was trying to build up to a uh, to some sort of supercars career. But uh, yeah, sorry, completely different point. Well, um, he, Casey Stoner was getting experience in a in a car. That's right. You know, right. I mean, it's and and I'm sure Super Two has a space because I mean, you learn how to drive a supercar. They have a style of their own. They have a, a locked up rear axle, you know, a spool, which is, takes a certain style to drive. So, you know, if you've got the wherewithal and you've got the, the backing and the funding, you can go and do Super 2 if you like, but it shouldn't stop very credentialed racing drivers like Joey Mawson from racing in the uh, Sandown 500 in Bathurst. That's that's the, the point I make. It, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you totally, but... What, what has to stop, and I think this was tried, and I think this is what Gary Rogers was trying to do. He wanted an integration of the sport. So, yep. that you know, we integrate the sport. I don't understand in a small country like this why we have to have this division of them and us, why no, we can't no. work together, why there can't be things that benefit the whole sport rather than the greedy self-interest that we're seeing. 
totally agree with you, mate. Yep. Yep. Totally uh, agree with you. So, what? so you you being a media man, Grant, you you can ask the hard questions. I could. I could. You I, could. I, I definitely you could. could. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have to ask hard, uh, really hard questions in uh, in my <laughs> former life, but uh, now I just uh, now I just sit on the fence and talk to lovely lovely chaps like you guys. <laughs> Good on you. So um, that, that I'd really love to know, and I, I honestly don't know, is it the Supercar Commission or is it the Supercar Board that no, make I, decisions about whether these people um, uh, are suitable for what their licence? <laughs> you know, the motor, not the Motorsport Australia licence, the Supercar approval. I agree. And and uh, also, that I, I also heard the story that you shared about a team owner saying to Joey Mawson, don't think you're ever going to drive a supercar unless you do six, you know, rounds of the super two. I've heard the same thing. I know who the, who the person was that said it. And the, the person that said it should not have any say in it. You know, the, the, the team owners now don't own the category. They used to no. own it. So the team owners are the responsible ones here, you know, and not all the team owners run super two teams. Well, we can hope that Peter Zebras, and I hope I've pronounced his name right, Peter Zebras from Premier, um, is game to stand up and say, I want to employ this person. And then it I will be. He has, though, Cricky. Pardon? I think he has, but I mean, I know a guy that's very good friends with him, and, and I was only speaking to him yesterday, and he said, Look, really, we can't do anything unless supercars say he's allowed to race. You know, I mean, Peter Peter's is a is a businessman. He's building a team. He's done a fantastic job of getting all the right resources in place. And he doesn't want to rock the boat, I guess. No, well, he's got a business as well. So I don't suppose he wants to take on supercars in a great big fight just to give a young guy a go. You know, like um, mm. I suppose he'll get someone else to drive his car. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, you know, it's. We uh, we uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and and see. Um, we've uh, debated this point uh, quite a bit, but I'd imagine it will still be continued to be debated um, at all the right levels because it's going to need to come to a a crunch pretty soon. We're coming up to those uh, endurance races, and if it's not Joey Mawson inside that um, Premier team, then it will um, it will be it'll be somebody else. But uh, as I think we can all agree. A, um, a a shame that uh, if Joey doesn't get his chance in, in, to make a uh, a great race debut because he's certainly done enough on our shores and uh, and overseas to warrant a, a chance. In, so in you race. know, it needs, we need some clarity. Everybody needs some clarity, including including uh, supercars to come clean with why all this is happening. That's all. Um, okay, cool. So, look, while I've got you two uh, great guys on the uh, on this podcast with me, and I thank both of you for uh, for coming on. You've you've raced against each other in a lot of different types of racing. So, uh, you know, I guess maybe the uh, the um, the the supercars fans out there would uh, would know that uh, JB, you've done uh, touring car racing since. Um, Yep, since the dawn of time, but uh, and Greg, uh, Greg's came in and did a lot of privateer running in those uh, mid 
uh, in mid nineties, uh, and uh, and and yeah, lots of uh, lots of one offs or or, um, or or privateer style racing. But you guys would have also competed against each other in so many other classes, uh, Nations Cup, uh, rings a bell, uh, probably others. Can uh, can both of you? Um, uh, think of a, uh, a a cool to- a cool race that you may have uh, may have experienced against each other. We haven't actually wheeled to wheeled that much, so cricky, have we? You know, we've had we've been. Um... My best my best memory is the last race I ever had at Bathurst, which was in the yeah. charge when you blew a tire. You passed me under brakes the lap before, like I was stopped, <laughs> and then then you locked up going into the uh, into the chase and. I saw a cloud of smoke and a tie flying apart, and that was it. Ah, yeah. So that was, that was my best memory because I actually beat you because I didn't beat you too often. Okay. Um, but we yeah. raced in TCM together, um, you know, and I was always there or thereabouts, but John was the benchmark, and, um, you know, I was usually following him two or three back. There was myself and Jim and, and Keith Kasulki and uh, Eddie Albanink, and there was, there was a few of us there sort of, in the top five, but he was the he was the pace setter. Of course, he won it. I don't know too many times to count how many times he won the Touring Car Masters Championship. But it was it was always good fun to race against him and good challenge because he didn't give way to anyone ever, and uh, it was great. And apart from that, like we did different things, didn't we? And, and yeah, we did. Yeah, you did. Is, I did. He did the sports sedans. And yeah. He won the championship and. You know, I mean, we did a bit of uh, Nations Cup stuff. Cup, which was fun. Yeah, it was but, fun. I mean, uh, yeah, we just, yeah. I mean, we've we, done lots of races. I've done, uh, I don't know how many races you've done, but I, 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 my stats man, Hamo. Yeah. I've done 1,260-something races. I haven't done that many. I just did races, it when I could. But, you know, that's, that's where it was different, wasn't it? You've said to me a lot of times, I think, you chose the right path, and I think I you I think you chose the right path, and you think I chose the right one. I chose business and a bit of part time racing, and you you chose full time racing, and that was the difference, I guess. Well, I, I guess so, yeah. But I mean, you know, it, looking back, I, I think you know if I devoted the the time and the effort and the more the thought process to business, I would. Uh, you know, probably be looking at a, a, you know, a very different sort of retirement. I'm not going to retire from racing because I'll, I'll race until I'm 100 if yeah. I can live long. But, um, yeah, it's just different. You know, you, I, I, I genuinely believe that your your life takes you in the yeah. direction you should go, you know. So yeah. I look back, you know, when I first started racing my little Formula V and I had no um, no ambition to be a, you know, a professional, so to speak, racing driver. It just took me that way. So mm. I, I'm very grateful in lots of ways. But, you know, uh, probably if I didn't have as many wives would have been a help too. <laughs> that was your choice. <laughs> well, I suppose it was. <laughs> yes, definitely. I can't blame you. We probably shouldn't go into that. No, no, I probably not. I too many stories. <laughs> That's that's for a par- the parked up the uh, sealed edition. You you know more cricket because I mean you know cricket was my counsellor on many occasions. Yeah, what a counsellor, eh? <laughs> you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't get Gary bad, Rogers, so he couldn't get Gary Rogers, so he got me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> there, there is, uh, there was a time that you guys were teammates, though, in a pretty high-profile race, the 1992 Bathurst 1000, on a pretty wet day uh, oh, at the mountain. Yeah. Both of you wearing uh, the DJR red colours in uh, driving Shell Sierras, the last of the old Group A uh, era, and a miserable. Um, sad day at at Mount Panorama. Uh, we we had Denny Holm pass on on that day. JB, you guys crossed the line. <laughs> Felt like you crossed the line first as well. Lots to be upset about. But uh, Greg, you were driving with uh, Terry Shield in the in the number eighteen second second entry. Uh, any memories from from that event? Yeah, a lot really. It was a it was a struggle that event because there were a lot of engine troubles on the Sierra. I think we lost two or three engines on Wednesday um, and we had a lot of engine troubles. And then uh, Terry and I, Terry qualified the car and I think we started 12th or something like that. But we had a good run. I had a good run through the first part of that race and it was raining heavily and we got a fair way up the field and uh, the car started stopping. It had a broken wire in the loom somewhere and it just used to it was stopping all the time. We'd have to roll into the pits and they'd twist the loom and it'd go again. So we had a pretty miserable day. But I suppose one of my memories of it is I'd got to know Denny because he'd come. I won the Targa that year, Targa Tasmania, and Denny came second in a BMW. And I'd got to know him because Jack Brabham was my teammate. And, uh, you know, obviously Denny had driven for him. So I got to know him. And it was it was a pretty sad day watching I I saw them lift him out of the car. And it was quite obvious to me that he, he wasn't alive. And uh, Ross Stone was on the radio to me saying, what's happened to Denny? And I had to say to him, it doesn't look too good, mate. You know, And they were very upset, the Stones, because I'd worked with Denny. Um, Jimmy, I think, was with him, with Bruce McLaren, the day that, that he got killed. So they went back a long way with Denny Holm and that, the McLaren team. So, you know, they were, they were pretty upset. And then the end of the race, the downpour was... Um, quite amazing i went across the top of the hill and it was okay and then down towards forest elbow i just slid down the hill at what seemed like a really slow speed and uh, i think um, charlie o'brien was in the fence down there and someone else and i just touched the fence and bounced off and kept going it damaged the rear end of the car but i just i got to the finish but it was just like being on ice it was just incredible and you know, I just the memory of that race, but that's how the rules are. You know, it goes the red flag goes back to the lap before, as it still does, and there's still controversy about it today. And I don't understand how they, in this day and age where you've got sectors, why they haven't changed it. So, you know, you you actually the person that is leading the race when something like that happens, um, and they crash doesn't win it. It doesn't make sense. You know, it's just it'd be so easy to fix it. I think now. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's so true. So true. Weren't those Sierras tricky to drive in the wet, though? Oh, I didn't think it was that bad because of the shit boxes I'd driven before, I reckon. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't think it was that bad. And, and we had quite a good pace, I think, in the rain from memory. And um, But I do remember Andy Madiki, surprise, surprise, barreling down into Murray's Corner and drove straight into me and turned me around, which is no surprise. <laughs> but uh, I shouldn't have been shocked, should I? <laughs> but oh, uh, it was a hairy race. Like, it was unbelievable. The thing that I remember, too, is in the spray coming down Conrod, you couldn't look out the windscreen. You looked out the side window to see where yeah. you were. 
Yeah, that's um, exactly. You drive off the white line, drive the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know, just digress slightly. Yeah, that car that you drove in that race in '92 now lives in New Zealand. Yeah. And I uh, have driven, raced it twice this year. The guy that owns it, Lance Copeland, asked mm. me to go, would I like to go and race it? Mm. I said yes. So it was 31 years since I'd sat in that car. Yeah. And it was, it's just. Was it better? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it, it, the first few laps I did, and I thought, good grief, you know, like mm. still got the same turbo lag, still mm. erupts in a, you know, flurry of power when it gets on the boost. But. After a few laps, so it was just like, you know, I don't know, putting on a favourite yeah. pair of shoes. It was just yeah. terrific to drive. It was uh, at Ruapuna, which is really tight. You know, it's mm. like Winton with another six corners. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, I really yeah. loved it. I, I, look, I honestly didn't think they were that bad. Once you got used to the fact that you turned into the corner and as it came onto Bush, you actually lift off instead of accelerating. Yes. That's, that was the that was the big trick. It was yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, it's opposite to what you normally would do. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, but mm. it's anyway. It was it's great to be reunited with it. And then I yeah. drove it down at Teratonga, which is down at Invercargill. Mm-hmm. That was a terrific racetrack, you know. Did you see the ghost of Bert Munro down there anywhere? No, no, but it's it's a beautiful little place. Mm. You know, Invercargill is a city. It's really mm. Mm. I, genuinely. You know, I think the South Island of New Zealand is probably one of the best places in the world. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, it's uh, another story for another day. Mm. Uh, Teratonga, the southernmost racetrack in the world, yeah. even even for, even closer to the old South Pole than uh, where you are down there, uh, Cricky. So I, I could only imagine that uh, some of the weather that uh, Teratonga has to deal with. No, it's no wonder that they only race it uh, at, at this time of year, because I could imagine the uh, grass and the trees are pretty green coming into uh, coming through spring and and into summer. The uh, the weather down there wouldn't make for uh, incredible uh, incredible racing. They were really nice days. It was very cold in the morning. But the track's only like a 10-minute drive from the, the city uh, and it was chilly in the morning and then beautiful days and it was called the George Begg Festival. So George Begg was a constructor mm. of cars in New Zealand and he, he built quite a lot of good, you know, sports and uh, Formula 5000s in particular. And they had a collection of his cars and you know it was, it was just a great race meeting so if anyone ever wants to have a holiday they should time it with this George Big festival and go down it, there it doesn't matter what you say about our our Kiwi friends they are just they punch above their weight with everything they do don't they whether it's Absolutely. motor racing sailing yep. building cars they're so innovative and they're just so into their motorsport it's just it's yeah they go there the uh, the racing that I was in was just, they call it it's, it's like uh, historic Group A Group C racing in Australia, but they mm. allow uh, super touring. So you know there's a there's a group of good super touring cars there, good drivers. Murph was driving one, um, and it and it's just they've got a field of like thirty cars, BMW M3s, few Sierras. You know, it's it just a really good scene, and everybody's so friendly. The racing's quite tough, mm. 
but it's you know it's, it's a it's what historic racing should be. It's it's uh, supposed to be fun and is fun. Mm. Um, okay, cool, lads. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just one final piece to uh, to discuss. Obviously, we've uh, the reason I got two great Tasmanians to come on is because we're uh, heading down there, or some of us heading down there for uh, the latest round of the Repco Supercars Championship. Greg, are you going to pop down to uh, Simmons at all and check it out? Oh yeah, sure. I'll go and have a look. Yeah. Excellent. Can't miss uh, it. I'd never miss it. I just I love it, you know. And I just look is Charlie it. racing, mate. No, he's over in Melbourne now. He's working in Melbourne. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's full time at JRM, and hopefully he'll be doing some racing next year. I saw him at uh, at uh, this is uh, Greg's grandson Charlie Parker. So keep an eye on him. Anybody that listens to us here, um, I saw him. Both at the about... people that listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, I saw him at the Bath of Six Hour. He was he's a nice young fellow. Mm. He's going okay. Yeah. And what, what does he? What does he want to do, Greg? Where? What does he want to do? Where do you think? Uh, what, what's his part? What's his uh, racing path look like? Well, he started like I started when he was about fourteen, doing Carnacross cross and that sort of thing. And then he he did a Hondas down here for a couple of years, and he won the championship. He's done he's done well, and it's it is tough racing here. The category is very strong here, and and it's good racing, and there's some good kids down here and uh he's done okay but you know it still remains to be seen how good he is you know i just i don't get too excited i think he's okay but you know where he goes i'm not sure um he's been driving the tcr cars he's had to drive an s5000 he's had to drive a trans am car you know where whichever path he decides to take and and how he goes we'll just have to wait and see Excellent. unsure at the moment i'm unsure I reckon he'll go all right, mate. I mean, it's uh, he's in the right place, you know. With the, the he's surrounded by racing people, that always helps. At GRM, I mean, you've got to give them their mm. due. They they do a lot for motorsport in Australia, don't they? GRM and being the very few people who've put their money where their mouth is, like they have. Yes, created a category and tried to to create a bit of diversity. In a different category, but you know, it's um, you got to take your hat off to them. But you know, I'm not, I don't want to be a go kart granddad, I just you know, <laughs> want to go ahead now and, and see where he can get himself to. That's all, yeah, yeah, Excellent. yeah. But he's, he's in the right place, I, I, I'm sure he will progress and develop because he's got the right style about him. And uh, you're like my dad used to be to me, he used to constantly tell me not to get a big head. Mm. Which which I tried not to do. Well, I don't think you really did. No, I don't think I did either. But no, you've remained very grounded for a superstar. <laughs> I'll send you the money in the mail. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, something uh, very quickly for both of you. Um, yeah, supercars on everyone's mind down in uh, Tassie, down at Simmons Plains this weekend. What's the thing that's exciting you? about supercars at the moment obviously we've got this uh, new gen 3 program we've got a bunch of uh pretty quick kids uh coming through i say kids but i'm i'm referring to the the uh, brody kosteckis the will browns uh some exciting young guys 
uh, racing at the front of the field. What's the thing for you guys that sort of uh, makes you switch on, makes you go uh, jump in the car and go out to these racetracks and watch um, the, our top level of racing? For me, since the Gen 3 car, I'll, just, I'll be quick. I'd, um, but the, since the Gen 3 car, it's, it's mixed up. There's the there's the two teams that are doing the best job, obviously by a long way that that seem to be at the front, but everything else, you know, everyone. I think Gizot even qualified 19th or something in one race. So if you get a little bit wrong, was there four tenths from from first to last, I believe, in Perth, and yeah. you know it is very close and uh, and it's exciting and it's so exciting to see the Will Browns and the Brody Kostecki's and. And all these other younger people coming through. That's what you need. You need new blood. You need that new blood to add to the excitement. And uh, seeing them operating at the level that they are is pretty exciting. I saw Will Brown start in, in the Toyota 86s, you know, and, and Cameron Hill and, and a variety of others, Brock Feeney, that are, that are all there and doing very well in supercars. So that's exciting for me, seeing these young kids coming through. That's the most exciting thing for me. Uh, from my point of view, I think the Gen 3 thing is uh, the racing is terrific. And that's yep. you know, regardless of who's at the front, who's at the back, the racing's close. They, uh, you know, whether the parity's quite right with the cars is, is not my place to say. But Well, you, you know, used to have a lot to say about it. You're always going on about Ford parity in the olden days. So when do you still not doing the same um, thing? I used to, when I had a, a vested interest in it, of course, <laughs> I <I'd> say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but now but, I haven't got. How a can the parity be wrong when there's like there's four tenths across the field? Well, and yeah, I, it is. I, I believe. I honestly believe that if if um, if Triple Eight and Erebus had Fords at the moment, they'd still be winning. Yeah, you're probably right. I, it's not for me to say, mate. I, I but uh, there is a. It, it's uh, whether it's a media beat up or not, but it constantly is in the. Uh, the supercar news isn't it about parody so i don't know who's once again who's pushing what barrow but uh you know davy reynolds was very competitive in mm. perth uh simmons is very much a you know a power circuit but I, i'm sure the, the power is the same whether the drivability is the same you'd have to drive them to tell wouldn't you yeah i'm sure they're not that far off no mm. i wouldn't have so when you get down to putting you know, a kilo on half on top of a, of a yeah. tower or something. It's got to be pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And uh, the cars look good on the circuit. Like, it, see them live in Newcastle, they look yeah. terrific. So, yeah. you know, all power to them, the people that made it all happen. Yeah, very good. Well, completely different track that we get to that we get to see this weekend, uh, and looking forward to Supercars getting back down to Tassie. Greg, thanks for uh, uh, letting us uh, all come down and uh, enjoy your state again. You're obviously putting on the good weather for everyone this weekend. Uh, I haven't seen your passport yet. It doesn't come over my desk, so you mightn't get here. <laughs> <laughs> my people are going to have to speak to your people on that because he's uh, one of the uh, he is the king of Tasmania. Yeah, like hell. <laughs> Thanks. John Bow and Greg Crick, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys at the track soon. Good on Bye. you, Grant Rowley. Thanks, mate. Thank you. That was a super long chat, but super cool as well. Uh, two, two great legends 
of Tasmanian motorsport and uh, and not just Tasmanian motorsport, Australian motorsport in general. Certainly John Bow uh, is probably a little bit more heralded, but uh, Greg Crick, a uh, underrated might be the best way to describe his talents, but uh, still giving back to the sport. And, and great to see that his uh, grandson is also coming up through the ranks and we look forward to seeing uh, what role he might play in the uh, in the sport moving forward. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's move on to Barry Rogers. He spoke with Mark Fogarty down at Phillip Island about the Speed Series, about the Australian Racing Group and its future. Barry Rogers, um, you and your dad. Um, Gary, you guys effectively, what well, you certainly control and own Australian Racing Group. It's taken... A lot of money, I would suggest, to get this thing originally off the ground and even more so now to keep it running. The question is, is it worth it? Is it sustainable? Well, Mark, look, it's no secret that we uh, we love motorsport and uh, sure, there's got to be some uh, financial sense with it all. I mean, you see this weekend, we've got a shirt on with 60 years since Dad started the team back in the day and, and things have changed as the years go by. Um, you know, the question is, it, uh, is it worth it? Is it sustainable? Look, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, it's certainly challenging. It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, um, you know, you can go through all the individual categories and, and look at them in an individual manner and find positives and negatives about everything. But look, probably, look, we're in a country of 25 million people. Um, if you said about motorsport categories we're here, we have got too many. We're probably part of that problem because of the amount of categories that we do have. Um, um, but what I would say is, um, look, everyone in Australia, young, if you're a young up-and-coming driver, if getting in a go-kart, a billy kart in your driveway, you dream to get the supercars. Now, not everyone's going to get there. There needs to be other platforms to go and race on. Um, and, uh, you know, we, yeah, look, it's worth it. It is worth it because we love what, doing what we do. Is it financially sustainable? I'd like to think it is. I think if, if we can, you know, keep providing a good show and um, and just... Just keep keep at it. It's, it, it. It won't happen in five minutes, but uh, uh, you know we think we, we can make it. Uh, you know something very worthwhile. So you're going to stick with it? Well, definitely sticking with it. I mean, um, you know, as of you know recently, we're you know we very committed. You see, we're building um, a new Peugeot TCR car. You know, homologating a new car for there, um, which is a big project. GRM wise, I know that's separate to ARG, but certainly if we weren't committed from an ARG point, we wouldn't be you know putting that investment into a, a new TCR car. Um, you know, S5000, look, there's no secret there, the challenges we've gone through there and, you know, that continues today, you know, we've got a driver in, in, uh, on our grid out there in, in, in S5000 who potentially can get a supercar endurance drive, but, uh, uh, you know, supercars won't accept him because he hasn't done six Dunlop series rounds and, you know, to me, we need to be very, very careful with that when a driver has an ability to go somewhere because you're you're at the risk of losing a generation of drivers coming through. If every young kid doesn't believe that they can get to the pinnacle without having to spend, you know, millions of dollars on a pathway that's, you know, probably the the preferred pathway by supercars being Super 3 and Super 2, you will lose a generation of drivers. Now, that's all okay at the moment because the drivers are there, but it will get to a point where if parents realise, hold on, I need to go and spend a couple of million dollars on my kid to get them through Super 3 and Super 2 to even give them a look in, I tell you, it's... 
it's a risky thing and you know you know we believe we provide a very economical way to go racing all motorsports expensive mark i mean you know it's a lot cheaper to buy a kid a pair of footy boots or a cricket bat than it is a go-kart so it starts from the very start but along the way we do need to you know just be very very careful of the way we manage that group coming through and um you know um so anyway we'll keep doing what we do and see where we land there have been suggestions recently that politics are at play that s5000 is being actively excluded from the supercars pathway is that what's really going on yeah probably that's a, a reasonable summary of what's going on um you know i mean to, if you can drive an s5000 successfully and 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 um and you know i had to use the word safely you, 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 you can do it well i mean you can drive a supercar now that you know, so yes, there's there's drivers in S5000. I mean, look, you can start with Joey Morrison at the very front. You look at Cooper Webster. You look at Aaron Cameron. I mean, all these guys, you know, have the ability um, to be driving supercars. Um, but that opportunity won't be there unless they do the Super Two. And you know, that uh, as I say, we just need to be very careful with that because in time, that uh, you know, it can be a real big knock-on effect in in years to come. Some suggest, in fact, that S5000 is much closer and more useful for a driver in the transition to top-level supercars, particularly Gen 3 now, yeah. than maybe even, well, Super 3 and, and Super yeah. 2. Yeah. Yeah, look, that's, that's been said, and obviously, you know, uh, James Golding, you know, there's no secret there that, you know, if in need of a better word, he, he kept his eye in with, uh, with S5000 when he was out of supercars, and sort of he's come back into supercars, and he's, I won't say he's a reinvented driver, look, he's a much more mature person too, and he's, um, but, you know, uh, there's no doubt when you talk to him, and, you know, that's why he still likes to do the rounds that don't clash with supercars, because it, it just keeps him sharp, and, um, yeah, so, I think... Uh, you know, we'll just, uh, it's, uh, look, I hate seeing nine cars out there. There's no secret about mm. that. And we've committed, we've invested a lot of money in those cars, but the money's been committed. We're not concerned about, um, you know, the financial side of those cars. But but what we don't want to, you know, once they're gone, if they go, you know, if it, if you can't, it's not sustainable would have eight and nine and cars running around every weekend. So mm. if it doesn't get to the next level, there will come a day where they're not here. And I think everyone will look back and probably regret that because... You know, to have a high-powered open-wheel category here in Australia, it, would, it won't happen again. I mean, no one's going to invest the money that Gary has to, to to make that happen. So it would be a real shame to lose them. And, and there is a risk of that. I mean, there's no secret. We've got a car across in the US at the moment that's doing a lot of miles and there's a lot of positive feedback over there about the car and a lot of interest. But, you know, that's... We don't want to be going down that track because we want to see him here. Looking at Phillip Island today, even with the limited number of cars to watch them and hear them, I mean, you know... The, they're, you know, they are incredible cars to, to, you know, yeah. So anyway, it's a frustration, Mark, but we'll keep trying. Right. Yeah. Car count is an issue um, over some of your categories, isn't it? Not only S5000, but yeah. GCR. And while I think anyone would acknowledge that we need a, a viable, um, strong second level mm. of racing yeah. underneath supercars, you just simply need more cars, don't you? Yeah, you do. And look, you know, if you look at other categories, you look, okay, TCR, you've got 13, 14 cars, you know, which is, you know, we were 18, 19 last year. You know, you, you don't like seeing, there are cars coming, there's drive, there, that, that grid will, mm. 
um, grow, you know, and I know we're already two rounds into the season now, and if you, you know, if you're committed for a championship, you should be there from round one. But there, there's there's cars coming, there's drivers coming. So I think by the end of the year we'll see that in the high teens again. But you know, from any Again, I know we often refer to supercars in these conversations, or maybe I do, but, you know, okay, supercars, there's 25 or four or six cars, whatever it is on the grid mm. these days. But then you go to Super 2, it looks it looks good because you have the Super 2 and Super 3 cars together. But they're both about 13, which gets you a mid to high 20s type grid. I think that, you know, so that middle teens number seems to be where most of those second tier categories seem to get you know top out at i mean gts have had a lift which is great to see mm-hmm. and i understand that's you know more on the back of you know owner driver type um set up but um it's good to see 20 plus cars out there there trans am you know close to 20 i mean i think last year we had 26 or 7 here there we had a bit of an impact from um the darwin round that um um pbr had up there a couple of weeks ago the enduro or a couple of cars were damaged and didn't make it here so um yeah but generally i mean there's i think there's 90 trans am cars in the country i believe i'm told so there's certainly opportunities there um but it's potentially your headline headline act isn't it in, in in potential number of cars and also the racing and the spectacle yeah look i think um it, look it is a real mix of um a pro end and, and an am end if you call it that but um you know, they're, they're pretty uh, exciting cars to watch. They are that real, you know, if you go back to the original days of VH in Australia, what, we, what the DNA was, was being a contact sport. You know, it was the AFL footy or the or the rugby mm-hmm. of motorsport where they really give it to each other. And the Trans Am cars do do that. Um, so, look, they are entertaining, but I still think the, the relevance of TCR, the brands, um, a bit more, um, yeah, it just seems to have a bit more... I don't know if quality is the right word, more professionalism about it than maybe what Trans Am has. I, th- I still think you just got to persist there. There's some good TCR grids around the world at the moment. 39 in Italy last week, 32 in China today, over 30 in the UK when they're, when they're up against BTCC. So I think, you know, we're, we're a bit of a lull here in Australia at the minute, but I think um, there'll be a second wing coming and, uh, we, you know, I think we just just need to be a bit patient and, and, uh, and just stick on the TCR trail for the headline mm-hmm. act and, uh, and see where it all lands. Back when you guys bought in to race and were part of that consortium that bought supercars, part of the big plan and the attraction for you and Gary and Brian Board at the time was the plan to basically integrate top-level motorsport in Australia. And so a lot of the ARG categories, you know, would get put on the supercars program. Anyway, that was the, the plan. Yeah. It failed spectacularly. What killed it? Was it was it the Stan Sport broadcast deal? No, 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 no. If we go back before the Stan broadcast, Stan Sport broadcast deal um, uh, came came about, and to be honest, that came about a month before round one last year. Mm. I mean, initially bringing it all together, it would have been on Fox and on Seven, um, mm. is what the plan would have been to have it all integrated. And when I say all integrated, you know, it's not every category at you know the 12 supercar events it would be here's 20 weeks of motorsport now mm-hmm. at these 12 events supercars year headline act at these other eight events it could have been trans am could have been a headline act s5000 might have been t might have varied between you know them that was the idea so you might have and i look you might have gone to a townsville and you might have thought gee that little street circuit there nice and tight tcr would be a great support category mm-hmm. you know um you know something different to bring uh, uh, the ability then to maybe generate you know different people to get more people to come you know maybe better broadcast because there was a whole lot of things happening that's what we could sort of see 
was the potential. If you had a menu board of categories, and you know, supercars is always a headline act when it's there, and it let's say it appears at 12 events, which it currently does, and then you could build those other eight events around all the other categories. You know, Super Two might have been the headline act at Winton, you know, mm. and and you know the supports to that might have been Trans Am and S5000. I mean, there was a whole lot of things mm. that we thought made sense. Look, I think probably what it was, and I don't, you never really know, but um, there's no doubt. I would think that, look, supercars are very protective of their brand, and so they should be, because it is an iconic brand, and I think there was a feeling that really we're just trying to jump on the coattails of their brand and grow our things through them, but we didn't want to own it. We're happy to put it all in. It wasn't that we're going to be the beneficiary of it. We just wanted to, we wanted motorsport fans to be the beneficiary, Mm. because at the end of the day, if motorsport fans are the beneficiary, the whole lot, you know, we're shareholders in supercars, the whole thing works out for everybody, but anyway. Politics, egos, all those sort of things, Mark. I think you'd know a lot more about those than what I would. And uh, I think all that gets involved and, and uh, that didn't come out that way, which is a real shame because mm. the person who really misses out is the person who pays the money to walk through the gate to watch motorsport, you know? So. Well, you say you, you think I should know about the politics, but I don't have skin in the game to the extent that you guys do. You know, it had a direct financial import. And, and yet, and yet, you're still a... Well, a reasonably major shareholder of race. Yeah, yeah. Look, we still got our shares there. We've got, uh, and if you said why would you still have shares there when it didn't unfold, which I wanted to look. Really, it's it's Gary is committed to Australian motorsport, and he feels that just maintaining that shareholding and and not it's not just keeping your little bit in the supercar wagon, but he just. He didn't see any reason that we needed to sell, that we just keep going along. And you never know what happens down the track now. What we wanted to happen now hasn't happened, but that's not to say two, three, five, ten years' time that it may that may return what our original plan was. Whoever knows. So we'll just keep our shares there for now um, and, and see where all that lands. We, we might do our dough. We might make some money. Who knows? But to be honest, and again, for us really, it's, it, it isn't about the money. It's about, you know, what we see is... And it, sure, it's only our opinion, and others have varying opinions, but we sort of see is best for the motorsport fan. There you have it. That was Barry Rogers and Mark Fogarty. Let's stick with Fogues. He also grabbed Tony Quinn. He used to make pet foods. Now he makes a, a lot of race car tracks go round and round and round, and uh, he does it so passionately. Always a great chat. He's been on Parked Up many times before, and here he is again. Let's... Um, uh start with Taupo or Topor as we're supposed to call it. Um, Topor. Supercars has had some officials over there this week uh, looking at the track. What do you hear? Is it looking favourable that uh, Taupo will get the nod for a supercars return? Yeah look we've said consistently that we we own three tracks in New Zealand and each one of them is uh, able to cope with the supercars. Um, you know, Highlands is probably too difficult logistically to deal with. Uh, Auckland or Hampton Downs is um, is good, but is outside the Auckland region, so you fall foul of the funding opportunity there. Um, and Taupo, if you look at Taupo, it's a fantastic track in a fantastic part of the world, New Zealand, and um, it's um, it's got all the tourism benefits if you want to promote tourism in New Zealand and Australians are the biggest tourists in New Zealand so it makes commercial sense to promote it to the potential customers. 
it sounds like you're pretty confident that if supercars go to them, that the New Zealand government will back an event there as, you know, for promoting, you know, regional development. Absolutely. And, you know, like, um, for as much as I know, which is not as much as you might think, everybody is positive. Um, nobody's going to pay them a ransom to come. But sensibly, uh, commercially, I think a deal should be done, will be done. Um, and it would be a travesty if they let this opportunity go. I, I think that the last race meeting at Pukekohe was a sensational event. And the one thing that we, we want to make sure of is that because the memory of Pukekohe was so good, we've got to be mindful that we don't end up going to a track in New Zealand at the wrong time of the year for the weather. You know, there's nothing worse than having a memory of a wet and soggy track, you know, so I think we're working on uh, a date that would suit both parties. Which would be? Well, uh, the, uh, well, there's a couple of dates, obviously, but I think um, the New Zealand racing calendar kind of goes from October to April, um, so it would be nice to have it at the end of that, but it could well be at the beginning of it. <laughs> Um, yeah. And the track itself, um, I've been there, but not for a while. It's obviously up to hosting supercars, but would it would it need extra facilities for a bigger crowd? Yeah, we'll have to put in grandstands and stuff. But we've looked at um, the parking, the infrastructure, the toilets, the sewage, the <laughs> everything, the track. We've re we've re asphalted turns two, seven, eight and nine and one. Oh, something anyway. We've resurfaced about four corners, which have improved it quite a bit. Yeah, there was too much what they call tire deg, which is a new term that's popped up lately, but there was too much tire deg. So we did those four corners and um, we're quite happy with the result. And what about Taupo and the area around it itself. I know it's a tourist resort um, and you know got lots of attractions but is it up to a big supercars crowd in terms of accommodation and all of that? Yeah I mean I hear those comments a lot. Um, they have the Ironman major event mm -hmm. in Taupo. They have a lot of major events there. There's lots of accommodation. Rotorua is less than an hour away which is another yeah, thousand rooms or whatever. Uh, Taurong is a couple of hours away. And camping has become a big thing in motorsport. And we have plenty of camping room as well. So, But I, 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 I'm excited for the town of Taupo. I think, given the right time of the year, I think we could, supercars could own Taupo. I think Tickford could have the Italian restaurant on the corner and you know I think the fans would have an opportunity um, if it's done right to have a real festival sort of atmosphere about it I think it's I think it's got good potential I mean if it pisses down rain and thunder and lightning yeah the whole event will be different but but all things being equal I think it's a, a great opportunity and look if if it doesn't work for whatever reason, doesn't work. 
Hampton Downs is just up the road uh, for the year after or whatever. And, yeah, um, I think once we get the V8s back to New Zealand, um, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's a good job that Australia beat New Zealand in the sale GP. Because if it wasn't for that, I think the government would be supporting sale GP. Mm, yeah. mm. So I, <laughs> I think that was, I think that's been a plus for supercars. And um, of your other tracks, the other potential for supercars is a return to Queensland Raceway. Talk of expanding the calendar next year. What do you think your prospects of QR getting back on the supercars calendar? Well, I think it would be a good thing for them. More than, I mean, obviously, Queensland Raceway is quite a successful track, um, you know, with or without the V8s, basically. You know, it's, it's quite a good uh, provincial track. Um, but I think it would be a good event for them. Um, allegedly, and I have no proof of this, but allegedly it was one of the most profitable events that they had when it was running. And I think at the flick of a switch, they would get all those spectators back again. I think it would be a good event for them. Surely you want the supercars back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, surely you've noticed I'm quite committed to the sport. <laughs> and, well, I was going to say, as, at least, if nothing else, as a co-owner of one of the top teams. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm heavily invested in the sport and it, it brings me great personal pleasure. We had the ASBK guys come back um, last year and it was an amazing event, really good. They came back just a couple of weeks ago and the next year they want to come back twice, I believe. Um, I just love, and we were very accommodating for all of those big events and Ipswich itself is, you know, it's always treated as a poor cousin. I mean, in the east side of Brisbane's got the Olympics. Mm -hmm. The west side hasn't got much. But um, I think V8 supercars would be a great um, thing for, for everybody. So have they, have they expressed interest? No, they, I think they keep their cards very close to their chest. They know it's there. Mm -hmm. They know that it's available. Yeah, it would be made available. Um, it's really just up to their economic model, how they want to work it all out, and their calendar and stuff like that. I think, to be honest, and I don't want to throw names, but I don't think John Tetley did this, the event any good. I think he pissed off the state government and all those people that contributed to it. I think it was just a continuous battle. So I'm, 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 I think I'm the exact opposite of that. Um, you know, I've been, I've had a very successful life and I'm wanting to live the rest of it, doing successful things with good people. Thank you, Tony Quinn and Mark Fogarty. This is episode 218 of Parked Up. We, of course, powered by Race Fuels. We thank Race Fuels for its continued support of the Parked Up and Parked Up Plus podcasts. We also thank Bob Jane T-Marts for its ongoing support and all of our guests and all of you listeners for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Thanks for a, a heap of feedback in recent times. Bumped into heaps of people down at Phillip Island and uh, uh, people are still listening, which is really cool after 218 episodes. We've got Simmons Plains Raceway this weekend for some Repco supercars. 
a heap of other racing all around the world. Formula One is back. Uh, lots to talk about. And Mark Fogarty on Parked Up Plus will have all of that and a heap more on Monday afternoon. In the meantime, have yourself a great racing weekend. You've just listened to another Network Car production.